Well, hey everyone, good morning. I hope you guys are doing well today. We are currently in our Easter series, which is called Three Days That Changed the World. And over three weeks, we're looking at Good Friday, the day that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. We're looking at Black or Holy Saturday, as it's called in different church traditions. And then next week, we're going to be looking at Resurrection Sunday and celebrating the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But before I get into today's message, we just want to take a moment to pause and pray. Uh, our friends Sitle and Latabo are launching Renewal Fellowship in the east of Johannesburg today. Some of you guys will remember Sitle came and he preached at Harbour City probably two years ago. He was a friend of ours, a pastor in Durban, and sadly he moved up to Joburg to in, like, be part of a new church and a new plant over there. So we miss him in our city, but we're so excited about what God is doing through them in Johannesburg. And this morning that church, which was aiming to plant a year ago, is going to be launching officially and starting their Sunday gatherings together and inviting people in to come and join. So I said to them, please can we pray for you on our Sunday morning? I just want to say maybe as you're watching this, you can follow them on social media, check out Renewal Fellowship on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you're on. And maybe you could let your friends in East Joburg who know Jesus, aren't part of a church or are like exploring spiritually, let them know about Renewal Fellowship and maybe they would go and visit and become part of the family there. But just a few prayer points that we can pray as they launch today. Firstly, pray for their launch Sunday. Pray for fruitfulness, for people to respond to the gospel, for people to be discipled and to grow. And then Sitler has asked us to pray for two more long-term things. That's for a permanent base for them as a church. The venue they're in now is great, but it's probably not the right place for them long-term. So if we can pray for the right place in the same area. And secondly, if we can pray for another staff member for them just to help them with the work that they are doing. So right now, maybe um, as this prayer slide pops up with different points to pray for, why don't you pause on the screen and just pray for the next few minutes. Let's trust God to really move in East Johannesburg through Renewal Fellowship. I love that we can be a church like this that partners with other churches and other places to see the kingdom of God come, to see disciples made and God glorified. So thank you for praying. Uh, why don't you keep praying for them over the next while? Just think of them and pray for them from time to time. Now last week, uh, our friend Andy Rogers from Restored Church Uptown was with us and he started our series talking about Friday, the day of the crucifixion of Jesus, the day that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, died in our place on the cross for the sins of the world. And next week we're going to be speaking about Sunday, the day of the resurrection, when Jesus rose from the dead, conquering Satan's sin and death, rising victorious and bringing salvation to anyone who would put their faith, who would put their trust in his name. And today we're talking about Saturday, often called Black Saturday or Holy Saturday in church traditions. And this is an often overlooked day in the Easter week. And I think that's because, well, nothing happens on the Saturday. And you'll see that as we go into it. All, all the action happened on Friday and Sunday. There was the cross and then there was the resurrection. But Saturday was the in-between kind of dot day, the middle child in the Easter weekend when nothing happened. Just this ellipsis, dot, 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 between the cross and the empty tomb. So is this really a day that changed the world? Or not? 
Let's take a look at one of the best known Easter passages and see what you think after we read this. 1 Corinthians 15. Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's what happened on Good Friday. That he was buried. That's what happened uh, on uh, Holy Saturday or Black Saturday. And that he was raised on the third day. That's what happened on Resurrection Sunday. I don't know if you heard it there. But the profound part in this passage that shows the significance of Easter Saturday is this, verse 4, that he was buried. Don't know if you got that. Jesus died on the cross on Friday. Later on Friday, they took his body down from the cross and laid him in the tomb and they sealed it up with a large stone because Saturday was the Sabbath day. Nothing could happen on the Saturday. And then he rose on the Sunday, which means that on Saturday nothing happened. He was in the tomb. He was buried. He was dead. Nothing happened. And we see, see the reality of this in the other gospel narratives um, as they describe the Easter weekend. This is from John chapter 19. After these things, the events surrounding the crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Jesus was buried. And on Saturday, Jesus was in the grave. Martin Luther said that Saturday was the day that God himself lay cold in the grave. Friday was death. Sunday is hope. But Saturday is that seemingly ignored middle day between when God himself occupied a dirty grave in a little garden outside Jerusalem, to quote A.J. Swoboda. Now we need to ask why. Why Saturday? Why is this mentioned in the story? Why is there a gap between the, the cross and the resurrection? Well, if you've got the power to rise from the dead, couldn't you be more dramatic about it? You know, uh, maybe you think on Friday, they see him die, they see him buried, and then pow, he pops up and he appears later on Friday night, knocking on their doors saying, I'm risen, I'm risen from the grave. Maybe that would have captured people's attention a little bit more. Instead, we've got Holy Saturday, the day where Jesus not only was dead, was in the grave, but he stayed dead. He stayed buried. And the gap here on Saturday is long enough that as it says in Hebrews 2, we can know that Jesus truly tasted death for us. He undertook the great loneliness of death as a part of his redemption of you and I to God. And his disciples experienced this too. Now, when they saw him be put in the tomb on the Friday, they, they thought this was final, that Jesus was dead and buried. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral or lost someone really close to you, but when that happens, you experience the, the pain and reality of the finality of death. When someone dies, you realize you're not going to be able to see them again. 
and make memories with them again. You're not going to be able to speak with them again or go to your favorite places or, or do your favorite things with them. They're gone. Your time with them is over. I know recently my grand passed away just a few months ago. She was about 95. And when that happened, exactly what I'm saying happened, the finality of death struck. I remember being in the kitchen speaking to my dad and him telling me that this had happened. And then going through all my old photos on my phone and finding this video I had taken of my grand a few years back where she was speaking about dogs and how much she loved dogs and animals. And just watching that and sending that to my family so that we could remember together and look at those pictures in that video together. I think one of the reasons we look back at moments of death is because we know there's no looking forward. We, we know until at least the resurrection, until we are raised, until we die, we know that there won't be new memories. So we look back to enjoy and remember the memories that we've already made. Death is final. And on Black Saturday, Jesus' disciples were left to process his death. And I want you to think about this for a second. Put yourself in the shoes of those early disciples of Jesus and try and think about what you would have thought and felt on that Saturday morning. You know, I wonder how they felt on Friday night when they went home and when they went to bed. You know, there's this reality that they'd watched Jesus die. They felt the trauma and pain of his loss. And now they had to go home. I'm pretty sure they had bad night sleeps, probably feeling pretty anxious, maybe having nightmares or at least feeling gross. And then they woke up on Saturday morning and as they opened their eyes, they woke up to that sinking feeling of the reality that it was true. Jesus really was dead. He really was gone. Friday had happened. It would have been terrible. And I guess it's quite different for you and I today because we celebrate Easter. You know, we look at Easter through the lens of Sunday. So when we look at Friday and the cross, we can call it Good Friday when his disciples would have called it the worst day of their lives. When we look at Easter Saturday, you know, the, this period of waiting and uncertainty, it's fine because we know that he's going to rise again. We know that there's a resurrection coming. So we understand the whole Easter weekend in terms of what has happened, what we know to have happened. It's kind of like when you watch a horror movie again and again and again. I don't know if you've ever done that, but the first time you watch it, you're scared because you don't know what's gonna happen. But once you've watched it a second time or third, fourth, if you watch it a whole bunch of times, you know every time something's gonna happen, there's no surprises, there's no shocks. And you know that in the 85th minute, the guy with the mask holding the knife is gonna get shot or smushed or arrested and that everything is gonna be fine again until they decide to make a sequel. We know because we know the outcome. We know the ending. And for you and I, often we've become familiar with the Easter story. We know what's going to happen. We know what's coming on Sunday. So the shock of Friday and the emotion of Saturday is lost on us. We don't experience the Saturday the same way that Jesus' disciples did. Jesus was their friend. Jesus was their savior. They came to believe that Jesus was God. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. And he was the man that they trusted in and believed in. They, they loved him. He was their life. And they'd watched him preach to huge crowds. They'd seen him perform miracles. They'd seen the power of God at work through his life, healing the sick, casting out demons, performing miracles, raising the dead. They'd been there for those moments. He told them the truth, that he was the way, the truth, and the life, that he was the Son of God. He told them that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they had believed him. They put their faith in him. 
And for a few years now, as they'd lived with him and traveled with him, as they'd ministered with him, they'd been caught up in this exciting, exploding, hope-filled Jesus movement. They'd been part of it, taking the good news of God to the world, advancing the kingdom of God wherever they went. And now, Jesus was dead. What they'd been doing was over. What they'd believed in was over. They'd lost their friend, but they'd lost their Savior, their Messiah, their Lord, and they lost their dream, you know, what they thought they were a part of and what they were going to give their lives to. Because if Jesus was dead, then surely, surely what he taught and what they believed and what they'd been a part of couldn't be true. Somehow, and this astounds me as I read it in the scriptures, but I'm sure if I was one of the disciples, I would have done this too. Somehow, the disciples forgot or were confused or misunderstood or didn't believe when Jesus had told them again and again and again that he would die and three days later he would rise from the dead. He said it to them. He told them what was going to happen to him and what he was going to do. You can go and look it up. Matthew 16, Matthew 17, Mark 8, John 20. He told them what was going to happen to them, to him and what he was going to do. But after his death, it's almost like they completely forgot. No, he told them it was coming, but when it came, it, it hit them like a train. And they didn't respond, waiting for his resurrection. No, they went back to their old lives. They gave up the kingdom work they'd been doing for the last three years, and they went back to their old ways. Maybe I can put it this way. They unrepented. They stopped living by faith. They stopped living for Jesus. They stopped living as disciples. They stopped following Jesus' way and then chose to go back to their old way. And this last year, 2020, I'm sure some of you have thought about this as I've spoken about this day. This last year has felt in many ways like a black Saturday, like a day of waiting, like a time of uncertainty and of loss and of the unknown. And how many of us have done exactly what the disciples did here? How many of us have gone back to our old habits and ways? How many of us have taken our eyes off of Jesus and put them on other things because of the loss and uncertainty that we felt? How many of us have started to do our own thing again rather than Jesus' thing, regardless of him, because of what we've been living through? Saturday is a day of waiting, it's a day of uncertainty, it's a day of loss. It's not a day of going back to our old ways. It's a day of trusting in Jesus. But this day follows the day of horror, this day called Good Friday, when Jesus suffered, was beaten and broken, when he was nailed to a cross, humiliated and destroyed in your place and mine for our sins. And Saturday hangs in the air, waiting, waiting before Resurrection Sunday. It's almost the Sabbath day of rest after Jesus accomplished the ultimate work on the cross and then said in John 19, it is finished. Saturday is a time of uncertainty and questioning, of asking questions like, where is God? Why would he let this happen? What does this mean for me? I don't understand this. And these questions might seem blasphemous to some of us, but these are questions we see throughout the scriptures, particularly in the book of Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible. We see the mature, spiritual, godly heroes of the past praying and asking these same questions. Where are you, God? What, what are you doing? Why are you silent? Why aren't you hearing my prayers? Why aren't you acting? I know what you're like. Why won't you intervene? They're praying these prayers as they live through their own Black Saturdays, their own Saturday spirituality, and try to process and understand what they're living through and what is going on. 
And for us, as we live through this time, through the COVID-19 pandemic and everything else that's kind of tacked on alongside that, we're living in such a unique moment in the history of the world where so much has changed and is changing that we are also left waiting and questioning. But Saturday is a day of not knowing what is going to happen. Saturday is a day of ambiguity. It's about, as one theologian put it, muddling through when the future isn't clear. So I want to say, does it feel like you're living in a Saturday right now? Well, that's okay, because so much of the Christian faith is Saturday faith. So for those of us who are living out Saturday faith, what does Saturday spirituality look like? And how do we respond? How do we live faithful to Jesus in the midst of Saturday spirituality? Just like those disciples who 2,000 years ago were completely thrown when Black Saturday hit. What does Saturday spirituality look like and how do we respond? Well, firstly, Saturdays are about sitting in loss. The disciples woke up, as I said, they cleaned just the sleep out of their eyes and they remembered that Jesus was dead, that he was gone and that their lives had changed. And then for them, they were left in those feelings and those realities. Saturdays are about suffering and sadness and grieving and hopelessness and disorientation and loss, which means Saturdays can be quite difficult. (laughs) Over the last year, many of us have lost family or friends. We've um, lost our plans. We've had to change. We've lost dreams. Some of us have had to close businesses. We've had to stop what we were doing because of what's going on all around us. That might shock some of us, you know. On Saturdays, we sit in our loss and we grieve, but some of us have never been told that this kind of thing is part of what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus. If you've grown up in a church environment which has preached a false health and wealth gospel, then you wouldn't expect this. You'd believe that as soon as you started to follow Jesus, everything is going to be going okay. But that can't be true because when we look at Jesus' life, we see that Jesus endured suffering and hardship and difficulty and confusion and all of the things of Black Saturday. And so did his disciples. And over the last year, so have so many of us. So for you and I to live as disciples in this world today, we need to embrace a theology of suffering. Yes, in Christ, we're adopted into the family of God. We're given a new identity. We're saved. We're forgiven. We're washed clean. Our eternity in heaven with God is guaranteed. All of that is true. And yes, one day there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more death, no more brokenness, no more evil, none of that. But at the moment we live in this world which is broken and fallen. We live in a world where the kingdom of God is coming but has not yet fully come. So we should expect in this world that we would suffer. As Jesus says in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. For those of us who feel discouraged by these feelings of loss, by what's happened in the last year, the encouragement here is to look to Jesus. John Stott, who's a really famous theologian and pastor from the UK, he said this, and I think it's just so real and relatable, just his struggle with the suffering in the world. He says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? On the cross, we see that Jesus suffered. And that means that he knows suffering and he can relate to our suffering too. He knows and understands because he has been there too. He's experienced it. He knows. 
he understands and he can relate. See, Jesus is not out of touch with your feelings and experiences and what you're going through. He's lived in this world too. He's experienced it all and he can relate to you wherever you find yourself today. Hebrews 4 puts it this way. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you are living in this kind of Saturday spirituality right now, then come to Jesus. Approach the throne of grace. Come to someone who understands, who has been there and can relate and come to find grace and receive mercy in the situation in the Saturday that you find yourself in. Secondly, Saturdays are quiet. Jesus spoke on the Friday from the cross, and again on the Sunday, he spoke just outside of the empty tomb, but Saturday was silent. God was nowhere to be seen or heard. God was completely quiet. Yes, God was at work the whole weekend. I mean, God was doing the greatest work in the history of the universe on this weekend, these three days that changed the world. He was working out salvation and redemption for the whole universe, for for you and I, if we would trust in Jesus. But in the midst of his work, We see that God doesn't speak and he's not seen for one third of the time. 33.3%, the whole of Saturday, was quiet. And we need to learn from that as we follow Jesus. Because we're going to go through times where God is quiet and where God doesn't seem to be present in our lives. And we have to trust because of the work we see in Saturday. Just because we can't see God doesn't mean he's not working. Just because God isn't speaking doesn't mean he's not working. Just because we can't see what God is doing doesn't mean he's not doing anything. And just because what is going on around us looks more like death than life doesn't mean there isn't a resurrection just around the corner. Saturday spirituality only seems like a time when God has left us. And that's because, as A.J. Swoboda says, on Saturday God is close but so far away. Thirdly, Saturdays are about waiting. And I think waiting is becoming something that is a rare art in our time. I think most of us don't enjoy waiting that much. I know I I don't, I'm fairly impatient, I'm working on it. But I know for me, if I'm waiting for someone in a coffee shop, whatever it is, I'm waiting to meet up with someone and they're a little bit late or I get there a little bit early, I can be a bit agitated. You know, I can tap my foot, tap my hands a bit, check my phone for a third time to see what time it is read a brief article uh, on a news app, read something from a book I've got on my phone, check the time for the fourth time, you know, look around to see if they've arrived, maybe walk around to see if I've missed them in a different place. All of that stuff, I'm impatient. I, I don't like to wait. I think that's why we don't like Saturday spirituality that much. You know, we'll do death and resurrection. We'll do Friday and Sunday. We'll do activity and busyness. Yeah, that we can do. But waiting in silence and uncertainty and disorientation on Saturday, well, that we're not so sure about. We don't know if we've got time for that because it seems unproductive and pointless. But Saturdays reveal to us that we aren't in control of our lives. On Saturdays, we're reminded that we are following Jesus and we're going where he's going. And that means that if Jesus stops moving, we're not going anyway because we follow him, not ourselves. And that also means that if he's not sharing with us what he's doing at the moment, that's okay. You know, he doesn't have to. We're trusting him and we're with him. Lastly, Saturdays are about uncertainty. 
Now I said that I'm impatient, I also really love clarity. I know some of you are agreeing with me here, but I love a good dotted I and a good cross T. It's the kind of guy I am. I'm a planner, I'm a strategist, I like to know what's coming up and just to know how to respond. But I think as we've lived through what we've been living through over the last year, it looks a lot like a Saturday. And my best advice to us in this time would be to hold on to God by faith, to trust Him when we're not in control, to trust Him when things are not clear, to trust Him when we don't know what is coming next, because we don't know what is coming, but He knows what is around the corner. You see, Saturdays are silent days. There's a somber sadness that hangs over this black Saturday for the disciples. They were so disorientated by Jesus' death. Everything was unclear. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what was coming. And when they went to bed on Saturday night, they were almost hung over with the pain and trauma of what had happened over the last day and a half. Uncertain of what they would do. Uncertain of what was going on. Uncertain of what the future held. And get this, uncertain even of what they believed. But joy would come in the morning. Resurrection was coming in the morning. Let me end with this. When you and I go through a really hard time, there could be a lot of people that come around us to support us. You know, people who offer to pray for us, who text us, who check in with us, who bring us a meal, who uh, ask if we want to do something. But probably the people we want around us at that time more than anything are people who can relate to what we're going through, who understand, who've experienced it for themselves because they can help us in that pain. They can help us in that place that we're in. To talk with someone who's sensitive and has experienced something like what we're going through, for them to have been through it, to know what we need, to know what to say, to not be thoughtless, but thoughtful, to meet us where we're at. Someone who can identify what we're feeling, where we're at, what we're going through, means the world. But I think we need more than just empathy and a reassuring, I've been there too, champ, you know, punch on the shoulder. We need more than that. Empathy can only go so far. We don't just want someone who's gone through what we've gone through. We want someone who's gone through it to the other side. Someone who can lead us and show us the way through so that we can get through the Saturday of our own. Someone who can go ahead of us, who can call to us, who can even take us by the hand and help to guide us to get to where they have gotten to themselves. And what we learn from these three days that change the world is that Fridays are hard. And that Saturdays, as we've said, are days of waiting and grieving and pain and loss and uncertainty and quiet. But Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. Resurrection is coming. God's will will be done. God is working. His plans and purposes will be filled. His kingdom will come and His will will be done. We, we know it to be true. We know the end of the story. But until Sunday, or in the meantime, as we wait and trust and look to Jesus... He is the one who has been there before us. He's the one who has made it to the other side. He's the one who knows what is coming. And he's the one that today, I believe, wants to come towards each one of us and to take us by the hand and to lead us through the Saturdays we could be living through right now or the Saturdays that we will live in the future. Let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, I ask you for everyone watching this that even now they would know where they're at. And for those who are going through Saturday spirituality, who maybe are feeling confused and disorientated, I pray right now, Lord, you would come and meet them where they are. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the grace and strength to trust in you in the uncertainty and lack of clarity of this time. 
And I pray, Jesus, for each one of us, Lord, that as we maybe have gone through the difficulty of Friday, the uncertainty of Saturday, I pray for Sunday to come. Pray for resurrection to come. Pray for life to come. Pray for a season to change. Pray for your provision of you to meet our needs. In Jesus' name.